Welcome back to the Lynx Magazine Golf Podcast. We are wrapping up season one today. Uh, very wow, we are. <laughs> yeah, very. Um, this has been a long time coming. Yeah, but it's exciting. Today we're talking about one of my favorite topics in all of golf. I'm one of your hosts, Graylin Loomis, and I'm joined by co-host Ian Kreitzer. Great to be here as always. Um, as Graylin mentioned, uh, this is one of his favorite topics. One I can't speak to a whole quite a whole lot yet, but hopefully to change that soon. Um, we're talking about Scotland, Scottish golf, yep. but more so a big trip that one of your biggest trips you've ever taken. Yes. I, I would say certainly took the most planning and the most work. Right. Um, and, and one of one that produced, uh, some great memories for you. Um, some great content. So today we're talking about the North coast 500 trip. So what is the North coast 500? First of all, for those who don't know. Yes. Yeah, so the North coast 500 is a 500 mile road trip through the Scottish highlands. And when I say highlands, we're thinking like Inverness and in Scotland, you have one of the main northernmost cities. Mm -hmm. And we're talking about, uh, following the coastal road up from Inverness past Dornick. So Dornick is like, kind of south on this trip. And most people think of Dornick, Scotland as being yeah, way up there. Right. So way up past Dornick, following the coastal roads all the way to the most northern uh, point in the British mainland. And then you traverse across the very top of the British mainland mm -hmm. and then down the west coast and back. So it's a big 500-mile loop. And there are many different ways to do it. Um, there are different strategies. And it, it, it's important to say this is not a golf thing, so, uh, not solely a golf thing. You can make it a golf thing. You can make it a golf yeah. thing, as I did. Right. But you could um, people cycle it. People ride motorcycles on it. Some people just go drive it, you know, just like you would the Blue Ridge Parkway or something, right. you know, just to see the the magnificent views. But we'll get into all of it um, and how I did it and why I chose to do it in certain ways, um, including what I would do differently next time. Yeah, which I'm sure there are a few of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah there are a few of those things. But um, also, you know, we'll get into this, but the the regions and the scenery and the the vibes change drastically in these little microclimates and um, ge uh, you know geographical areas it, it, yeah. it, it is one of the most diverse interesting areas I've ever been and this sounds funny to say, but there's not a week that, that I don't kind of think about this trip and think, man, I got to get back. In fact, I'm planning to go back in 2020. Um, but <laughs> I love it. it. It just blew me away. Okay. That, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm sold already and we're not even five minutes into the podcast. <laughs> we're, um, we're wrapping here. <laughs> all right. And uh, thank you for joining us. No. Um, so initially, how did the trip come about? How did the idea come? Was it through links? Was it your idea? Was it... Um, yeah, it, very good question. Um, when I was over at the University of St. Andrews, I started seeing um, basically, I, I don't think I would call it marketing materials, but I started seeing uh, mentions of the North Coast 500 and started asking friends. And then it really clicked with me when one of my best buddies over in Scotland, a guy named uh, Rory McDonald, who actually does the Scottish Golf Podcast, um, he started telling me about it, and I was just totally sold. I had been up to uh, Dornick twice before, mm -hmm. um, but it was a quick trip. I, I hadn't been able to see much. I kind of committed one of these sins that we're going to talk about today. Yeah. Um, 
but I wanted to get back. And then when we started talking about big epic features in Lynx magazine, mm-hmm. um, I pitched that to our kind of editorial board and yeah. a meeting. And um, lucky for me, they said, "Do it." Okay, well, yeah, that sounds like an absolute beast to plan. You know, if you're crazy enough have to fun. do it, have fun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It actually took like over a year of work to, wow. to piece everything together with a ton of help from Visit Scotland, Scotland's Tourism Board, right, and the North Coast 500, which is you know like their actual like tourism um, uh, agency, if you right. will. So those two work together to help a lot as well, right? But um, it sounds easy, You're like 500 miles, you know, boy, yeah. I, you know, I I, I could drive from here on Hilton Head up to, you know, Nashville. That's probably 500 miles. Yeah, yeah. That, that sort of thinking. Yeah. But we're talking about teeny, teeny coastal roads, single lane coastal roads for 500 right. miles where if you're, you know, going crazy, you're doing 40 miles an hour, 45. Yeah. Um, and you've got oncoming traffic where you guys meet in the middle of this area, and then you guys have to back up and you know, pull <laughs> off the edge of the road, but not too far off the edge of the road because you know you'll get stuck in a ditch and or if, a cliff you, on the other side, or yeah. a cliff on the other side in some of these areas, and you don't have cell service. So you know, and even if you did, the nearest tow truck is down in you know down in you name it, and yeah. it's going to be a couple hours till they get out there. God. So. It you know I don't want to make this sound like I took some epic like exploration. Um, it's an adventure for but sure. It, it was an absolute adventure, and there's a lot more to think about than just hopping on an interstate here in the states and just kind of ripping through and being like, "Well, I'll get gas at one of the next six exits because every couple miles we've got an exit with gas." You're like, no, no, you're thinking, "Ooh, I'm down below half a tank." And I probably am not going to see anybody yeah. for two hours. Right. You know, that's that's the level of thinking. I, I think this is one of those, um, you know, as we've talked about this before, but uh, where the journey is the destination. This 100%. is hundred percent with yes. with happens to have stops along the way with some golf courses. Oh, some they, great exactly golf courses. Right. Some great golf courses, um, and many that people will have never heard of that are so so special. Exactly. Um, th- th- it is worth noting that uh, we're not going to do a okay. Grayland drove from Brewer to Wick today. Yeah. You know, day two. We're not going to break it down. It's going to be kind of more overview. If you want the full breakdown of the trip, we have a good uh, breakdown on the Links Magazine site. Um, just search Links Magazine, Scott, or uh, uh, North Coast 500, and you'll you'll come up with that whole archive. And, yeah, yeah, and, and you yeah. guys can read the day by day. We'll get into a little bit of that, but um, we won't break it down here. Correct. Um, one of the things to consider when you're saying, okay, I'm going to go out on the North Coast 500. It's a circle, mm-hmm. as I said. Yeah. So, do you do the circle clockwise or counterclockwise? Mm-hmm. Clockwise uh, would mean starting in Inverness and then driving up the west coast of Scotland, right? And then back down the east coast. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a lot of research on this, and I, I read up on it and asked people who live up there, and they said, "No, no, no, go up the east coast first. The east coast um, has kind of the most golf, let's say, or mm-hmm. the most golf course density." Right. Um, Play golf up that side, and then the second half of the trip will really, really be about the drive because it's so dramatic. It's yeah. cliffs and mountains and um, 
mountain passes on the west coast that you would think were straight out of the italian alps yeah um yes it's awesome it's uh as where on the east coast you're going much more kind of you're on at sea level driving Mm -hmm. along these beaches and the road rises up rises up and you're on top of cliffs but it's nothing as dramatic as um what you find on the west coast exactly so i chose to go east coast first so so less dramatic per se to Cl- more climaxing to yeah. more so like dramatic. the last yeah. day of the trip was some of the most difficult driving i've ever done mm-hmm. um certainly the most dramatic driving i've ever done yeah. and i've been to some of these places you know like the swiss alps where you know it, it's it's on that level it, it's yeah. just crazy that's amazing and, and people people don't think of that when they think of scotland a lot of times i think yeah that, you know yeah. and, and you, this, you don't think like crazy mountain passes with huge gorges and yeah that's the, the west coast of scotland particularly the west coast of the the highlands up mm-hmm. there really is that that's awesome um so i started thinking early okay I'm going to do this in in a uh, counterclockwise direction. I'm going to go up the East Coast first, and I'm going to um, kind of take the drive easy in the beginning because there's so much golf. So I I started um, at a place called the Carnegie Club at Skibo Castle. Which is very, very nice from from what I hear and see. Um, And I've written a completely separate article about that for links. Go check that out. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So I went to Dornick. Mm -hmm. From Dornick... Uh, to Brora and Golspe, which is like 30 minutes up the road. Yeah. From Brora and Golspe, I went up to Wick, mm-hmm. um, which is like an hour up the road. So these were pretty easy driving days. Right. At that point, you're in pretty populated areas, so you're not on these teeny back roads or anything. And you're thinking, like, well, if it's all like this, it's going to be breeze. pretty easy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was reading about <laughs> this being a tough drive. Yeah. Um, and I was reading about needing to have a not a small vehicle, but not take you know a, an RV. Um, yeah. And I need to be thinking about gas. And you're like, nah, I don't know. I haven't hit these roads yet. And then once you get up toward John O'Groats, which is the, um, they bill themselves as the northernmost point on the British mainland, Mm -hmm. but there were like three villages that all claimed (laughs) that uh, (laughs) across the very top of the British mainland. Um, But there is a sign at John O'Groats that says it. So yeah, who knows? You then start heading west and it starts getting a little bit smaller, a little bit more interesting. Yeah. it's important to talk about the car choice. Yes. Yeah. Um, I was, yeah. That was that was on the list of stuff to ask about. So so what did you choose? And uh, knowing I already know the answer to this, was there any embarrassing moments with with that car choice? Yeah. So keen listeners of this podcast will have heard me tell a story on the <laughs> California episode about taking my brother's manual car in the middle of the night. With his permission, I don't want to make it sound like I stole his car. He totally stole his car. (laughs) (laughs) In the middle of the night, and I drove from San Francisco down to Monterey. Right. And up to that point, I had not driven a manual car much at all. And through the six hours of driving that day, I had had gotten pretty good at driving manual. I had a couple other instances. I had a girlfriend who had a manual car at St. Andrews. Mm -hmm. I drove her car a little bit. Yeah. Um, So I had some experience driving um, in a manual car. Meaning on the wrong side of the car, wrong, quote unquote, by our American standards, right. on the wrong side of the road. So you're shifting with your left hand instead of shifting with your right hand. Um, and I made the decision to take a manual car on the North Coast 500. Right. I took a Ford Focus 
um, was it an RS or an ST? Either way, a pretty quick little hatchback. No, yeah. It was yeah, very yeah. fun. I, I, yeah, I'm looking for a car right now. I would totally consider one. Yeah. Um, so uh, chose to take a relatively small car um, that I knew would fit on these roads. I wouldn't have wanted to take, uh, you know, the UK doesn't have huge cars, but yeah. I wouldn't have wanted to drive an RV. And, or, even uh, my, or even my Tahoe. Or even, yeah, yeah, especially not, you know, a big monster SUV. Yeah. Um, and there are certain things you need to think about. You're thinking about the size of the car. You're also thinking about reliability. That's the main thing. You yeah. know, they, one of the things that you do come across on the North Coast 500 is people taking classic cars, mm-hmm. which would be so much fun. Oh, yeah. But I saw a guy in like a, a 67 Jaguar E-Type, you know, like one of the most iconic yeah. cars of all time. Probably right. the most beautiful car ever made broken down um in the true true middle of nowhere the, um and makes my heart hurt. Yeah, yeah and he had help coming right and it's it's the type of thing where you would be like hey buddy like you okay um it's like yeah it helps on the way uh yeah but that would be a real nightmare because help's probably three or four hours away uh, and then what if they've got to tow your car and it, it's just yeah it's a mess so you're thinking about size reliability mm-hmm. if you're not comfortable driving a manual car don't. <laughs> um, this wouldn't be the place to learn. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that, that would That's probably be. Yeah, yeah. That, that would be the, the best way to put it. Yeah. Um, and then you're just thinking about comfort because you're going to be spending a lot of time in that car. Right. So um, you're not necessarily thinking, I want a speed demon that's just going to, you know, I want to be able to hit 100 miles an hour like you would on the Audubon or something. Right. No. no. Like if you're doing 50 on these roads, you feel like, you know, like, uh, you're just, you're, you're, you're a race you're driver. Down, yeah. Um, but the, the funny story you mentioned, <laughs> I, I pulled the manual car out of the space in the Edinburgh airport and yeah. drove and, you know, I know these roads pretty darn well, but just from having been over a lot and having lived there. And I knew that there's probably the most difficult, uh, traffic circle in Scotland, <laughs> right outside of the Edinburgh airport and it's like a figure eight. So it's two, two traffic circles that flow into one another. Everyone's head here in Hilton head is exploding right now yeah. because we have traffic circles and no one can figure them out. And yeah, yeah. And like everyone has wrecks every day, <laughs> yeah. not us, but uh, people have wrecks every day. Right. Um, <laughs> and there are stoplights inside the circle. It, yeah, it's just something that we aren't used to. Yeah. Well, I pulled into that first circle and stopped in the circle at a stoplight and stalled the car, which mean you know, when it turned green. Yeah. And it meant that basically both both uh, traffic circles began to lock up. And then, you know, I, I was I was so caught off guard yeah. that I reached for the key and I realized, oh, this is a keyless ignition. And I'm fumbling, you know, trying yeah. to get the car back on. And I realize, oh, okay, you know, I, I I, I had this moment of panic. Yeah. It went through a whole cycle of the light. So now it's red again and I haven't moved. And people weren't honking. People were really, really nice. I, I, I think they Shout probably... Shout out to Scotland. Yeah. yeah thanks, Scotland. Um, so I proceeded to then stall at the second of the two <laughs> circles that make up the figure eight. 
But those were my only two stalls the, the entire trip. Oh, that's good. And I didn't do any high speed, you know, stupid maneuvers. Yeah. Um, I saw a couple people in ditches on the road, and I, and I didn't do anything like that. That's good. That's um, good. But it, it was a baptism by fire to pull out of the Edinburgh Airport knowing, oh, those darn circles are coming up. Yeah. I had driven them just fine in an automatic car right. uh, numerous no, times. No, I'm but. sure. No, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> Don't make it sound like I didn't. <laughs> But oh, it, so a little too much on cars there, but but a funny story it, that and, and yeah, all of that to say, don't put the car off as this unimportant kind of last minute <laughs> thing. You you need to you need to think and you yeah. need to think. Can I change a tire? You know, I didn't have to, but if you can't change a tire, you don't know how to change a tire. Um, that could be a serious problem yeah. right, on these roads, yeah. you know, and. It, we're talking rural here, really, really rural. Yeah, I mean, I mean particularly not in high season. Right, um, you might not see another car for an hour or two. Yeah. Um, so if you're sitting there thinking, you know, I don't have the physical strength to change a tire, or, or you don't know how. Yeah. Um, you might want to consider bringing somebody along the trip who, who knows how. Right. So that I, I just say that to reinforce, you know, th- this is. This isn't something that should scare someone off from taking no, the trip. But, no, no, but it's just things to think about. You need to think about. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, another thing we need to think about, or one needs to think about when planning this trip, um, is there a is there a time of year when the weather is more uh, allowing of of this sort of journey, um, especially as it pertains to golf? Yeah, I, I personally, you know, high season in Scotland is really July and August. Yeah. Um, you wouldn't want to do this in winter. Uh, mm. Some of the passes are closed, so you right. actually couldn't do the the full rundown. Right. But more than that, outside of the high season, most of the hotels and restaurants are closed. Okay. Uh, maybe not restaurants. There, there'd be a pub in town, but some of the like seasonal restaurants they would be closed. You right. wouldn't be able to find a place to stay. Yeah. Um, so outside of let's say eight. April to October, mm-hmm. like don't, don't even don't try. Yeah, you know, don't it, think about it. it. These yeah. passes are snowed in; they're closed. You yeah. can't do it. And if there's if it's snowy, there's no golf either. True. Yeah, so, the, the, yeah. I mean, I guess you can play golf, but yeah. it's yeah. <laughs> no, it's like, and also you have to think you're very very far north here. Mm-hmm. So in the winter, there's very little light. It's yeah, light at maybe nine nine thirty a.m. and dark by three three thirty. Yeah. So you wouldn't be doing much of your drive if you played golf. No, you'd yeah. be driving in the dark. You know yeah. it, it, that's and there'd probably be a frost delay, so maybe you wouldn't even get in the golf. Yeah. Um, I so, went in June, and okay. I think June is the best time to go. Okay. I say that with some pain because June is not my little secret that I have that no one else knows about. Right. But. I kind of hope a ton of people don't go in June because most people try and go in July and August, right. and, and I want June for, for me. Um, <laughs> for all of Scotland, it's Greyland's yeah. month. <laughs> I, I swear, if anyone tries to go in June... <laughs> I will find you because I will yeah. be there. <laughs> so June yeah. was perfect. June actually has the longest days of the year. Oh, so cool. the yeah. longest day of the year is usually in the middle of June. Yeah. And when I was there, it was light until about 11, 11, 15 at yeah. night, and it's full bright at 4. So yeah. there's probably three or four hours of true darkness at night, right? Um, which made it really fun because if I chose to, um, 
you know, go do an activity in the afternoon and then drive and check into the hotel later, mm-hmm. that wasn't a problem. Right. That, that was fine. Or if I wanted to check into the hotel, have dinner, then walk around with my camera and, and get some cool pictures. Or go play golf fine. after or dinner. Or go play golf after dinner. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you had tons and tons of time. So right. I think June's the best time. Weather is always a toss-up. Right. You, you know, this summer, summer of 2018 in Scotland, um, it was very, very dry. Like one of the driest seasons on record, one of the hottest seasons on record. I was thinking about uh, Carnoustie. You think about you know. Carnoustie and all the stories about it being baked out. Every course was like that. Every course was like that. Yeah. Um, so you, you just, you can't ever really base it on, on the weather. And you can't say, well, June, man, June's better weather than july it might be but it also might not be right it's Um, year to year it really depends yeah this brings up a little anecdote in my head one of the courses i played and i'll kind of tell you guys all the courses but um it was called durness Mm -hmm. and it's the most northwesterly course on the british mainland right and it's a little nine hole course up on top of cliffs in what's the most beautiful setting for golf I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're talking extremely beautiful yeah. with, uh, in the distance, you see like a five mile long beach and this is a beach five miles long with nobody on it. And I mean, wow. nobody, it, very few people live up there, Yeah. but the head greenskeeper, um, and the only greenskeeper yeah. is a guy named Allie. And, um, my buddy who I mentioned earlier, Rory, mm-hmm introduced me to Ali and he actually met up with me and he's a young guy mm-hmm. and we were just talking about you know what challenges do you have living this far north you know yeah. what, what goes on and the course doesn't have any um irrigation <laughs> and he yeah. was saying well when I'm not you know the greenskeeper here I actually head up our local like fire department which is made up of volunteers right and he said uh, whenever we need irrigation on the course we'll run fire drills with all the local volunteer <laughs> fire department and instead of spraying you know some center block building and yeah. a training thing spray the course. we'll spray the course <laughs> you know it, we'll, we'll have a you know session by one green and then move over and water another green that's awesome uh, so it, it's the sense of community is real up there because they they, they are um attached to scotland obviously yeah. and they can get down to inverness by taking faster roads than these coastal roads right. I was driving. Right. But it's still like you're probably three, three and a half hours north of Inverness yeah. uh, in some of these areas. And you're right. thinking, whoa, you know, and I thought Inverness was north. Um, yeah. So, y- you, you know, maybe less than that if you were really hauling on some of these uh, larger two lane roads. Right. But um, it is just, it's, very very dramatic and it feels like stepping back in time which is which is awesome and i think it's a lot of the reason why people do this trip is mm. because it's to get away from everything and and kind of just take a step back and no cell service no you know whatever um yeah really really cool um okay so the scenery we've kind of mentioned and uh and the drive itself any logistical challenges that we hadn't really talked about um as far as, I guess we kind of covered everything in that well, regard. But there's one thing I do want to mention. You know, we we are very I I should say am very reliant on Google Maps and using my phone to look stuff up. 
and you just can't count on um, having any cell service up yeah. there. So I did two things. I uh, did what's called, I forget, it's within the Google Maps app called like offline maps mm-hmm. where you can download a section of Google Maps onto your device uh, okay. um, so that you can access it you know, while your phone's even on like airplane mode. Right. Um, so I did that in order to make sure that worst case scenario, I'm able to uh, plug in a destination and get there using my phone. Right. Um, but I also made sure that I had multiple maps of the area with varying degrees of um, uh, detail, detail, intricacy. Because Google Maps is not designed to take you on the North Coast 500. It is designed to get you from point A to point B as in the quick most as expedious route. Yeah. Um, and there are no interstates or highways up there. So clicking like avoid highways, that that doesn't do it. That doesn't mean, oh, great. Now I'll stick to the slowest possible coastal road. Yeah, no. So if you were to just blindly follow Google Maps from point A to point B or, you know, from your hotel to your next stop, in many cases, you would be completely bypassing the North Coast 500 right. route. So you want to be completely aware of what you're doing and have a map because right. if you don't, you can end up, as I did for one small section on the West Coast where I just got to where I was going like 25 minutes earlier than I thought I would. Yeah. And I sat down with the map and realized that I had actually kind of cut off, Bypassed a little, cut a off a little section. section. Yeah. Um, so it, it's... That would be an interesting point that that you should consider. Definitely, for sure. definitely. Um, so we kind of mentioned how the scenery changes uh, from uh, you started on the East Coast, and it kind of gets more dramatic and more mountainous as you as you go along. But did the golf kind of echo that? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So the more dramatic uh, courses are up on the up on the West Coast, and yeah, um, yeah. yeah. And you know, it, it's funny. Royal Dornick is dramatic and beautiful, and uh, Golspy and Brora are also dramatic and beautiful. Those are kind of the main three courses, quote-unquote main mm-hmm. courses, that you'd find. You know, south of that, you have like Castle Stewart and Nairn, right. which are also very, very well known. Right. But as you start going further north, the courses get more and more rugged. Mm-hmm. So you have like Ray, spelled mm-hmm. R-E-A-Y. Um, an 18-hole course that just beat the the daylights out of me. Yeah. Um, and all of these courses, once you get up there, are kind of of the uh, Honesty Box brand where you toss in, you know, you slip your, your green fee into the door and just get going because these clubhouses are not staffed. Right, which um, I'm a big fan of. The, yeah, you know. very, very cool. Yeah. Um, and all are in pretty darn good shape. Oh, yeah. Because um, they all have people like Allie over at Durness who, like, care, you know. I mean, it, it's... And run it, fire drills on the course. The, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, there's no team. So yeah. if the course is in bad shape, it's because, you know, Allie didn't do his job sort of thing. And right. there's a lot of um, responsibility R- there. Right, right. So... Um, as you go from Ray, you traverse over to that most northwestern point, which is Durness. And then as you go down, I also played um, a course called Gerloch, okay. um, which was a little nine-hole course 
uh, with two sets of tees, so you can play 18 holes. But that was pretty dramatic. And you know, to, to give you an idea of the, that community I was talking about, I played uh, Gerlach with this older local guy mm-hmm. who carried a little shovel in his bag, and I asked him about it, and he said, oh, you know, we're playing alongside this huge beach. And I said, yeah. oh, yeah, yeah. And he said, um, uh, my wife is okay with me playing as much golf as I do mm. uh, because I go down onto that beach and I get clams every night and I bring them back up and I make her <laughs> spaghetti vongole, you know, they, like spaghetti with clams. Um, and, you know, so like after our round, I get back in the car and he like, yeah, you know, walks down to the beach yeah. and, and gathers up some clams and then, you know, tosses them in the back of his car and, and walks home or oh my drives gosh. home. That's awesome. Uh, so it's that sort of place. Yeah. yeah. Uh, where there, there's a real sense of pride. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I would also say separation. Yeah. That's kind of an odd way to put it. I, I don't mean that um, you know, people who live out there think, oh, I'm not part of Scotland. Right. Um, they, they just know that their community is um, one that, is built on the people yeah. and there's a real sense of kind of belonging. Um, mm. and they know that if you live up in Durness, uh, it's going to take a long time to get a package up there. So you, yeah. you might as well just kind of, you know, do things yourself. Yeah. And you know, the Royal mail and everything does deliver all these places. I, right. I don't want to make it sound like, What's uh, the... you know, this is Siberia or something. Right. Um, but when you're driving along, you do think to yourself, whoa, you know. Yeah. So, for instance, uh, there's a, a bridge um, that's a really famous picture. Um, it is just after uh, Loch Enver, and people can look on the map and, and see what I'm talking about. But a famous bridge that uh, covers – there's a picture in the article, and I, I'm trying to remember the name right now um, – Kyle Skew Bridge. I always remember Kyle, but I can't remember what comes after that. Yeah. Uh, the Kyle Skew um, Bridge that was opened by the Queen in 1984. Mm-hmm. Um, what what I find so interesting about it is it covers this little, I guess, probably 75-yard uh, wide river, you know, yeah. like deep, like glacial river. Right. Um, but reading the sign, like up till 1984, you took a ferry across, um, and there's a lot of that up there where, yeah. you, where you think, man, 1984, like that, that's not that long ago. <laughs> yeah. You know, and up to that point, no wonder it was so hard to get up here and yeah. so rural. And it's the same with Dornick, you know, going over the, the Dornick Firth. That was a, that was a um, ferry for a long right. time. And all of a sudden, when you're thinking, well, I've got to wait for the ferry to run, and you know, the ferry only takes a couple cars and only runs a couple times a day yeah. and maybe a couple days a week, like it, it is hard to get up there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of every course was like trying to get to Askinesh or something. Yeah. Like, yeah. Back in, you know. Similar, like a, yeah. a smaller scale version of that. You're right. Um, yeah. So it, in that way, it's kind of like stepping back in time, and it makes you really appreciate what you have because you know boy it took some work to to get this up here um and it also makes you feel like you're in on something that not everybody else knows about and and there's kind of this sense of belonging where you're like oh yeah you know i know about this really cool little place called the lock inver pie shop and you know everybody else takes their scotland trips and and you know nobody knows about this place yeah 
which is kind of a um, you know uh, a funny way to look at it, and yeah, you know, maybe not a healthy way to look at it. Hey, but, but it's it's just a it's a fun thing. I wouldn't recommend the North Coast Five Hundred to people who've taken um, no Scotland trips or one Scotland trip. Right. Um, it's really the type of place you would go once you had been over to Scotland a handful of times. Right. You had seen a lot of those big courses that you wanted to see. And you also kind of understood the charm of going to a place like Gerlach, which is a little rough around the edges, you yeah. know, conditioning wise, but pretty darn good. Oh, yeah. Um, but it's a small nine hole course where you might not hit any drivers off the tee and you're just having fun. And it's it's about being there. And if you go in expecting you know, Kings Barnes or uh, Carnoustie, yeah. um, you know, you're, you're just going to be disappointed. Right. Um, and I think people should kind of get that experience first yeah. and want something else. And the North Coast 500 delivers that different experience. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, I think it's also worth noting, uh, you mentioned in your article about your accommodations and um, as far as, you had some varying, you know, you stayed in, uh, well, Skibo Castle, yeah. Skibo <laughs> Castle, and then a treehouse. Yes, and local B and Bs too. Yeah, you know, right, and everything so, in between. Yeah. Um, that's kind of the fun thing. You can do the North Coast Five Hundred at different levels. Right. Um, some areas, you kind of just stay in the one hotel that's yeah. in Durness. You know that, that sort right. of thing, yeah. and, and it's not one, but. You know, the one that had availability. Yeah. In other places like Dornick, you know, you could send everything from a local B&B all the way up to five star hotels. Yeah. Um, I stayed in a really cool place called Lynx House Dornick okay. um, in Dornick. And I, I bring that up because um, those who read Lynx magazine and, and get our e-newsletters and everything will have heard about cool links. Mm hmm. It's uh, that's C-O-U-L links. It's a new course that Mike Kaiser is developing with a partner on the ground who is the owner of Lynx House Dornick. His name's Todd. Todd uh, Warnick. Right. So they, right. that kind of ties that in. But um, you, you can stay in places like that all the way up to places like Ackergill Tower, which is in Wick, uh, yeah. Scotland. So about two hours north of uh, Royal Dornick on mm -hmm. the East Coast. And it's this old, old castle. Yeah. Um, just off the castle, they've actually built a treehouse. <laughs> and, and I got to stay in the treehouse, that, which was something else. That's pretty cool. That's <laughs> um, All the way down to on the West Coast, staying in some just cool local places where I could walk into the town. And, yeah. Um, you can do it at different price points. Um, and one point I really want to drive home is again, is it's not necessarily just a golf trip. I, I think no, yeah. of all the Scotland trips I've seen done and I've taken, um, this is the one where it would make the most sense to take a non golfing spouse or partner with right. you. Um, there's just so much to do yeah. and you can imagine particularly with some of the smaller courses, not necessarily like a Royal Dornick. Yeah. You can play nine holes in the morning and then go hike to that nearby lighthouse or castle oh, yeah. that afternoon. Yeah. Um, it's not like, okay, you know, this is going to be a five hour round and we've got to, you know, do X, Y, and Z. No, I mean, 
you, you could go play nine at Gerlach in probably an hour and a half. Yeah. And then you've got your day. And it would be a pretty nice walk for your non-golfing partner as well. Exactly. Exactly. I think that's a big thing when people think about Scotland. They're like, uh, how am I going to how am I going to pass this to your, you know, yep. whichever spouse, wife or husband? Yep. Um, like, uh, I need to sell this somehow. It's like, well, just come with me. We'll do it. Come along. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it so together. That, that's, yeah. <laughs> um, so I think when a lot of people think of uh, Highlands Golf, Royal Dornick comes to mind yes. almost immediately. So, yes. And you mentioned that you'd been to Royal Dornick before, but not north of that. Yes. Um, and that's a mistake. Not a mistake, but something a lot can of people be can be a mistake. People just take the tour bus up to Dornick, play yep. Royal Dornick, and then go back down. Yep. And there's so much more up there that you've kind of touched on already, but why should Dornick not be the only stop on in the Highlands? Yeah, so Royal Dornick is certainly the most well-known course in the Highlands, the right. highest-ranked course in the Highlands, but it is by no means all the Highlands has to offer. Right. Um, on this trip, I was sitting um, in the Royal Dornick Clubhouse. For those who have been there, upstairs is a restaurant that mm-hmm. looks out, and you can kind of look down as well and, and see where people are being dropped off and no one else was in in the clubhouse um so i was just talking to like one of the waitresses and we were just you know passing time <clears throat> excuse me and i said boy it seems like a busy day today and she said yeah you know that doesn't always mean it's busy for us or some variation of that yeah and i started talking to her and she said yeah more and more we're seeing like these tour operators bring a busload of people mm-hmm. they get out buy something in the in the shop right play 18 holes and the bus driver is waiting there with a pack lunch hands it to them as they get back on the bus and then they leave. and then they drive back down to play castle stewart or nairn right. um, which are two very good options but it is if there ever was the dine and dash method yeah that is the dine and dash method yeah like you didn't even walk into royal dorn sorry you didn't even walk into the town of dornick you didn't have a pint you didn't sit there and talk about your round you truly just came in, checked it off the list, and got out of there. Yeah. And more and more people are doing that. I, that that's not a new phenomenon, but... No. Um, and and if, that, if that tickles your fancy, then, then yeah. great, but there's or, so much more. Or if more. you have so little time that you just have right. to do that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I get it. But if at all possible, take the time to hang out up there. No, yeah. And take the time to soak it all in. If you can go north of Dornick, do it. And you don't have to drive 500 miles over a week like I did. You know, I, I did this trip, it's important to say, over uh, really six or seven days. Yeah. And some of my driving days were 30 minutes, others were three hours. Mm-hmm. But I took a lot of time, and I, I wish I had taken more time. Yeah. Uh, but don't just go up there and kind of hit the course and run. Yeah. I, I think that that's a big mistake that can be made, and it's also a mistake to think that you know, Royal Dornick is really the only offering you have. It's you a know, great offering. It's a great offering. It's, yeah. it, it is the best course up there. It, it's amazing. But it, right north of that, you have Goldspee, which is packed full of character. You have Brora, packed full of character. Yeah. Um, and it would just be a massive, massive error if you had time or if you were in the early stages of planning yeah. to look at your options and not consider spending more time up there going further absolutely absolutely i think that's that's something that i'll consider um making my first trip ever Do to it. play golf over there so we'll see yeah we'll see um so 
kind of the for the for the trips there's a there's the uh cliche question what would you do differently yeah so it's an important question to ask yeah absolutely i can think of two main things i would Mm -hmm. do differently i drove this trip alone Mm -hmm. um not necessarily on purpose my wife was going to come with me Mm -hmm. um and we had some scheduling issues come up and she ended up not being able to make it but it would have been tremendously helpful to have a navigator right. um, driving on those roads in a manual car, um, sometimes in bad weather. You really don't want to be like fumbling with a map, right. um, yeah. particularly because you're even if in great weather, that's almost even more distracting because you see, you know, some of the most beautiful scenery yeah. you've ever seen in your entire life. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, so I would have a navigator with me next time. Okay. Um, and I would probably take a non-golfing partner, um, like my wife. So Lucy, you're going next time. <laughs> yeah, Lucy, we're going back to the North Coast 500. Uh, I think she would, she's heard me say that and she would be very happy to go back. Yes, yes. Cause I'm sure you raved to it, oh, raved yeah. about it to her yeah. at, at nauseam almost. Yes, <laughs> it, that's, that's exactly right. Um, the other thing I would do is I would play less golf mm-hmm. and I would do more non-golf activities. Right. As I said, I kind of front-loaded the trip by spending a lot of my time on the East Coast where the best golf is. Yeah. Now, that's partly because I was doing this for Lynx Magazine, and, you know, we write about I golf had to tie in golf a little yeah. bit. Yeah, yeah <laughs> golf kind of had to be a part of this. Yeah. Um, so the point was to see the golf that the Highlands had to offer. Right. If I go back um, on my own time mm-hmm. with uh, Lucy, then... I will almost certainly play probably two or three rounds of golf and have three or four non-golf days. Right. Um, I would spend more of my time on the West Coast mm-hmm. than I did on the East Coast. Okay. Um, not because it's better, but because on the last trip I spent more on the East Coast. Right. If it was my first time, I would just divide it equally instead of having spent more time on the East Coast. Yeah. Okay. Um, the West doesn't necessarily have as much golf, but it has so much in the way of hiking. And I mean, you can just pull over and explore a, you know, a beach that's only accessible by trail Yeah. that's, you know, four miles long. And you go out to this beach and it's crystal clear blue water, just absolutely almost, uh, you know, tropical Caribbean looking. Yeah. Um, and there's not a soul out there. Yeah. And, you know, that can be a morning. And I really wish I had had time to do that. Uh, so I would spend more time and build in more unplanned time. I, mm-hmm. I know that that's kind of a funny thing to say, plan for more unplanned time. Yeah. But I would have a morning where I don't have anything to do. And my goal is to just pull over, park the car, and, you know, get out find something and interesting. find something cool. Like yeah. Go on a hike. Um, you know, as people on our social media have seen, I bought a drone in the last six months. Oh, you, you take I, the drone back out. Oh, I would take the drone out there oh in a heartbeat. Um, yeah. you know, I, I love photography. So I took, you know, hundreds and hundreds of pictures. Right. Um, but I, I would do more of that yeah. and I would spend more time, uh, in each of these small towns, you know, seeing little areas. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, People listening to this episode will hear um, and understand that this wasn't meant to be a day-by-day. You said it. It's it's not a day-by-day. Here's what I did. Here's where I stayed. Here's where I ate. 
um, I wrote that for for the magazine, and and people can find it on our website now, or look in back issues and find it. Yeah. Um, but I want to just fill in what I couldn't say in the magazine. Uh, due to, you know, I couldn't write a 20,000 word piece. Um, the, the, those editors, man, I'm telling yeah, you. Darn editors. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm one of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm not, so I can say that. Yeah, yeah always blame the editors. Always. Um, but I, I want to get across some of those main points that, yeah. that are just really interesting. I wish I had spent more time. Yeah. Um, you could, uh, you can do it any different number of ways. I flew into Edinburgh and got the car from there. Mm-hmm. Um, if you know you only want to hit the Highlands, then it could be worth flying into Inverness and renting yeah. your car there and cutting out kind of three hours of driving that you would do to get from Edinburgh to Inverness. Right. Um, but all of the tips, all of the, um, all of the advice, where I stayed, what I did, um, all of that's on the link site. I've written um, a big guide on my personal website, uh, graylandloomis.com. You, know, you can, all of that other information is out there, but I want this to supplement that and get people uh, kind of excited and passion them to want to take a trip like this. Well, I'm, I'm sold. I, mean, I, I said I was sold five minutes in, so <laughs> it only just, you know, it, the, it only furthered the. The pictures. The I mean, just the oh, pictures. Oh yeah. I mean, oh. I mean, I have the I have the article pulled up on on my computer right now, and I think you do as well. But mm-hmm. I mean, just absolutely stunning. Um, it but, is. So that that's enough. You know, that, that, that's <laughs> enough for me to be like, yeah, I'm I'm sold. I'm good. And you know, one thing I haven't done is just tell people where I played on this trip. Um, yeah. And I I don't want to walk through everything, but I I will just run through the courses. Yeah. Played Royal Dornick. Golspie Golf Club, Brora Golf Club, Ray Golf Club, Durness, Gerlach, and Castle Stewart. Pretty good lineup. Yeah. Yeah, really good lineup. And I would wager that even some of the most avid Scottish golf travelers haven't heard of some of those. Yeah. Um, which was kind of part of the fun of this. It, you know, it's exactly. a trip that not a lot of people. Um, necessarily think about top of mind when they think taking a Scotland golf trip. Yeah. Um, but I can't recommend it highly enough. That, that, it, it just, it blew me away. That's good. Yeah. And that's and, having and, lived in Scotland for four years yeah. and taken a dozen trips. And, <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. And the fact that Scotland's still, you know, the new area, the new areas you hadn't been to and this this epic trip still blew you away. It was just phenomenal yeah. and really speaks, speaks volumes. It's um, for those who are thinking, man, I, I would love to do a trip like that, but I don't even know where I'd start. Yeah. Hey, lucky for you, we did an episode <laughs> on that. <laughs> so we did an episode on how to plan a Scot- uh, Scotland golf trip, yeah. and we go into a lot of the details, and we talk about the steps to break down a trip like this North Coast 500 journey right? Um, to make it more manageable and seem less like this insurmountable mountain that you're trying to to climb that you'll just never get to um so check out that uh that episode if you're jumping in just on this one and and you haven't listened uh to previous episodes in this season yeah definitely definitely Uh, and check out the other episodes too while you're there yeah (laughs) (laughs) um so i think that that about wraps it up for for the north coast 500 unless you have anything else you you, want to add yeah no no i i would just uh i encourage people to read those articles um more than anything, reach out to us. We we want to talk about this. If you're brainstorming a North Coast 500 trip, <clears throat> excuse me, North Coast 500 trip, or a Scotland trip, 
um, shoot us a message. Hey, you know, we're at Lynx Magazine on on pretty much every social media channel. Um, we love to talk about this stuff. Ian runs those channels. He he's the guy that uh, that we'll be talking to. And if you and, have a question that he can't answer, he'll come right across the hall and uh, talk to me about it, and we'll get back to you. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, but reach out to us there um, if you have a, a longer form question or something that. Uh, doesn't necessarily lend itself well to a tweet um, or even a direct message, shoot us an email, letters at linksmagazine.com. We're always looking for new podcast uh, or episode topics. Let Mm -hmm. us know what you want to hear. Let us know what you want to hear less of. Um, Leave us a review on iTunes. That that does a lot to help us. Um, But more than anything, uh, you know, we just want you to understand this is one of many ways that you can connect with links. Subscribe to the magazine on our website. Subscribe to Links Digital for free. Um, but Ian, I want to say thanks for an awesome uh, season one of the Links Magazine Golf Podcast. Flew by, man. It, it, it really, really did. flew by. Yeah. Um, people don't know, but a whole lot of thought and work and effort uh, goes into these podcasts. It may sound like two golf buddies uh, just talking, which it is. It is, yeah. But um, a whole lot of work goes into putting this together, and I want to thank you for all your help. Uh, we work on this together, uh, and there will be many more seasons to come. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. For season two, again, reach out to us. Let us know what you want to hear more of. What did you like? Do you want to hear more about these big trips? Do you want to hear more about things like how to pack your clubs when flying, you know, more kind of nitty-gritty how to do it, how to plan a trip uh, episodes. Or and, more interviews with guys like George Pepper. Or more interviews with guys yeah. like George, yeah. Uh, we plan quite a few episodes for the future, and we've got some interesting people to speak to. Um, but if you have somebody who you think would be a great topic, no matter how um, unreachable you think they might be, uh, let us know, and, and we'll, we'll try and track them down. But Ian, thanks, buddy. I'm really excited for season two. Thank you, man. Uh, Until season two. A lot more to come. Absolutely.